welcome to the light pod brought to you by Lightine, a hub for ideas education and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting i'm your host sam corbel and today i want to welcome you back to aspen colorado where we're sitting in a million dollar home theater compliments of paragon systems integration they're a killer integrator up here in the Aspen Valley, working on those 10, 20, 30, 40, and $50 million homes. And they were nice enough to give us probably the most acoustically tuned space west of the Mississippi to record a podcast. I want to welcome back my three friends that are residential lighting designers. Ann Kustner, president of AKLD Lighting Design. Lana Nathy, principal of Light Insight Design Studio. And Greg Mackle, the founding principal at 186 Lighting Design. Welcome back, guys. How you doing? Great. How are those turns? Did you go out and get some skiing in between the last episode and this episode? <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing, yeah. right? It's well, snowing. It's snowing. We'll do one more recording. We'll go ski a little bit more and then we'll call it a day and I'll see you for operators. Does that sound good? Sounds great. You know, we caught up a little bit in our last episode. If you didn't get the chance to listen to it, by the way, go back, check it out. We covered a lot of things about resi lighting design, what's different about it what the challenges are. And now we're gonna catch up a little bit more about how the end of a typical project in the commercial world, those construction documents and a little bit of CA is really only the beginning when it comes to residential lighting design. And then we'll talk a little bit more about how the three of you have one-upped each other without even knowing it. And we'll let you share some (laughs) stories about some of these crazy projects. I mean, just, you know, Greg's made like, you know, 50 million universes of DMX and lava in a driveway. Lana's lighting basketball courts that are underground and homes. And well, I'm sure Anne's worked for the mafia once or twice in her life. She can't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) So we can, we can talk about that. Welcome back guys. Talk to me a little bit more about the end is really only the beginning when it comes to residential lighting design. When we work on commercial projects, so much of our design time goes into putting construction documents together and there's a lot more of the schematic lighting and the and then the design development than issuing CDs but a lot of times you issue CDs and a lot of the CA is handled by somebody in the field and you're involved a little bit sometimes not at all but in a residential lighting project when we issue CDs, a lot of times we don't have information about what the materials are, where the art's gonna go. They rearrange the furniture, then they decide they're gonna flip the kitchen with the master bedroom and you know, change a hallway into a home theater, whatever happens, but it's a constantly evolving thing. So one thing we always joke about is that you know, residential projects change up until the day they move in and, and then they keep changing. So <laughs> when we issue CDs, that's just, you know, Benchmark. we pretty much have a budget, but the design just keeps evolving. And we don't actively change our lighting design once we issue a design development set. We spend the rest of the project evolving our lighting design to more information that we get. Now we know how thick the ceiling is. Now we know that there's a coffee table that we want to accent. So we spend the rest of the project changing the lighting design, but we're changing it to adapt to more and better information. We know what the bookcase looks like now. Mm-hmm. The millwork drawings are done. And I think too, it depends on how involved the client is. Because I have found the more the client is involved, the more time it takes, the more changes that are made. 
And if you've got a really solid design team and the client isn't involved as much, I would say that there's fewer changes that go on. In a way, we're managing our design because we want to still look good because we've come to job sites and we're like, oh man, they didn't tell me they were moving that wall, you know? And we're like, shoot, you know, I can't hit that art now, you know? So I think part of it is just in a way, don't you think, you know, managing our design so it looks amazing no matter what they do to us and they don't tell us about. I think what we always try to do is as we run into field conflicts or things change throughout the course of a project is we're always trying to make plan B look like it was plan A. Mm -hmm. And it's just a constant battle to try to do that. Now, when you said plan B look like plan A, I want to back up and clarify one thing. You said like the lighting concept, the lighting layout, so to speak, kind of happens and you got to put it in place. And then they build the house and Anne's like, yeah, they move the wall and you're like, dang it, I can't hit the art. Because at some point, you've got to put stuff in the ceiling, right? You've got to put light in the space. There's a lot that's going on here. I, I get it, right? When the budget is infinite and the time is, so to speak, never going to end, people are always going to change their minds and write the checks. But you guys have a job to do. You have to finish something. And that's where this whole second part of residential lighting design comes in is becoming a magician with all the options that you hopefully baked into your project ahead of time. What's it like to be a magician and create spaces and make them look magical when maybe that home theater actually is a corridor now or vice versa? When they say that there is no budget, there's a budget. <laughs> so that's just one thing that we have to all realize. This is not our money. And I always respect that. And so lighting is a commitment. And we're in for the long haul, and we're going to make sure it's the best solution for the best that we get. And usually the kitchen is the last thing that's ever really finalized because they are tweaking things. So that is really the last place I will finish because you get all the concepts for the rest of the house, and then it all bleeds together. All the concepts come together in the kitchen. It sort of happens. <laughs> And I think it's too, you know, having a crystal ball mm -hmm. several yeah. times a week. Like yeah. you try it, to anticipate it. because we work on many more projects than the design team that we're working with. So we're like, I think they're this would be a great place to put a piece of art. And, you know, you know, people are like, no, we won't put art there. No. Planet. And then you're like, you know what? We're just going to put a couple down lights there. And then you, you get there and they're like, hmm, there's a piece of artwork there. So you kind of anticipate things or you try to. You try to look forward in the future because you do have more experience than the design team. When you're speaking to that, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's kind of the concept of an architect's hired to design a custom home. They're on that project from the day it starts to the day mm -hmm. it ends. And that's a huge fee, and that's four years of work for them. You all are obviously involved for the four years, but you're involved in one part of the entire home, meaning the bandwidth for a, a residential lighting designer. You almost have the opportunity to help 40 architects a year on 40 different projects share ideas. What's it like to be able to come to the table with lighting and the essence of creating magic in a space and planning for the the unforeseen and and being just quote the lighting designer i'm putting that in quotes because we know how much that actually means but maybe other people don't what's it like to be that person and have a seat at the table and be able to 
speak up and enable change. Just as Ann said, we end up managing our design. So if you are an interior designer or an architect, you have so many things you've got to get, you know, the windows or the window treatments or the ceiling or the floor. And then you're working with all the different consultants. And so they have such a larger scope on each project than a lighting designer does. You know, we're, we're a piece. So we might be one tenth of the amount of work that goes into the project that's put in by an interior designer or an architect. So that means we need 10 times many projects to be able to do that. So we're constantly working with a lot of different design teams and trying to stay on top of everything as technology changes, architecture changes, interiors change, clients change. I mean, it's just things change constantly. So every day is sort of managed, you know, creative design process with trying to manage, okay, how do we adapt the design to all the changes we got hit with today? Happens a lot in landscape too. You gotta give us more than that, Lana. Well, you cannot draw a tree in a circle. It's not a circle. A tree is not a circle on a drawing. So it's just those drawings. We always do mock-ups for a landscape because then everybody visualizes, and they also they might not even have the trees there yet. So you have to be able to create something from nothing, and usually you do an allotment, but then the final quantities for landscape. Um, become you know what's the size of the tree and with the age that shows up at the job at the time so that's a whole nother topic i probably shouldn't yeah. have went there <laughs> Sorry. landscape is a very <laughs> organic thing I, i've been on job sites where we've had these great plans and these huge <laughs> yeah. pieces of equipment come out and just let's drop the boulder over there and they and, destroyed the whole you know tree. And, and then they they move trees around and and so it's not near as fixed as architecture mm-hmm. so i think what you talked about makes a lot of sense, Lana. Now, the landscapes are a big part of homes. We haven't even talked about lighting the exterior of homes. We've been talking a lot about interiors and finishes and, and challenges and ceiling depths and thicknesses. If you've got a $10 million house, you're going to have a $10 million yard, too. What, what's it like to have to light that up? One of the first processes is to actually be in the interior of the house, find which room is going to have the best view, mm-hmm. and choose that to start with. And then that's like the first scene because they're going to use it from their house all the time but then when they're entertaining and they're outside then you just sort of expand their view so it's a black canvas so you just paint the you know push pull what you want to see emphasize and what's the best way that you can push pull and emphasize things in a landscape i mean what do you do do you pin spot everything do you uplight everything do you moonlight everything what do you do well dark sky kind of has some limitations <laughs> yes it does <laughs> here in aspen picking county uh yeah yeah good luck with any exterior lighting yeah that's yeah, very very restrictive i'd say in, in most of the resort communities that we work in we have the dark sky codes on the outside and if we're doing something in florida it might be the turtle lighting codes mm-hmm. that we have to pay attention to and so it's very specific to whatever region you're in but you might be in an urban area where you know, you, you can do whatever you want without having codes limit 
what you do design wise but it's just very different and having that connection though between the inside and the outside that so many of the projects we're working on now are these modern glass houses mm -hmm. and you just have walls of glass floor to ceiling and those become black holes at night if you don't create some kind of connection to the outside creating a connection to the outdoors may seem trivial but it's complicated. Lana mentioned, how's it going to look when I'm in my family room versus the master bedroom versus on the patio entertaining 18 people? Talk to me a little bit about technology, lighting advantages, shall we say, that have maybe given you an opportunity to do what you want in the landscape world. Well, the biggest evil <laughs> to all lighting in the exterior properties is um, water. So if you can control, if you can get a wire that's, sealed and you don't have any way that the water can get to the fixture then you'll have a fixture that'll last longer but if they don't maintenance a project once a year minimum mm -hmm. i won't even do the job because what's the point yeah <laughs> i'll just start with that <laughs> and I, th I think landscape lighting is a lot like you know the maintenance for landscape lighting is like maintaining your landscape mm -hmm. that if you don't mow your grass cut, cut the grass if, every week if mm -hmm. you don't trim your hedges if you don't do that stuff it goes wild pretty quick and it'll overgrow the landscape lights mm -hmm. things will get kicked by you know wildlife or hit by a lawnmower mm -hmm. so you need a constant maintenance on exterior lighting to keep it looking good and we're not talking necessarily about the quality of light coming out of it we're talking about the physical maintenance of the luminaires Keeping yes. the dirt That's out That's just of them. the basic line. Keep, yeah, keep, <laughs> keeping the dirt out of them, keeping them aimed, all that shielded. other shielded, all that, all that other fun stuff. I've got to imagine there's people who are smiling and frowning right now when they think about water and electricity. <laughs> and also, uh, just some information. Elk do not like landscape lights. Elk do not like <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I tell you what, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, the first story we're going to tell about projects is elk and landscape lights. Does that sound good? <laughs> Sounds great. All right. See you in a minute, guys. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick. The Light Pod is brought to you by Lodite, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting design or just architectural lighting, or stories about light, or people that are in lighting, or projects about light, or products in lighting. Check them out at lytei.com. And welcome back from Aspen, Colorado with Greg, Lana, and Anne. We were talking just a little bit more over the break about how residential lighting design, while it can be a grind, while it can certainly take some time, is incredibly fulfilling. Because at the end of the day, you're making somebody's home, you're making maybe their third or fourth home, or just a special place for people to come and have an intimate experience with their loved ones, or their friends, or an entire, you know, cast and crew in a party block. Relax and have fun, but there's something special to it because it's their own. That's an experience that's unique. You all have I think I said it earlier, there's probably over a thousand projects that you've collectively worked on in your careers. Share a couple stories with us. You know, what's it been like to, to go through all of this and hit the finish line and what have you experienced and what have people shared with you and how this has all made a difference? Well, in the last year, I can just share something that was a project that kind of unfolded. I was denied three times to getting the job. 
and it's because they, the contractor had already, oh, I've got the lighting handle. Oh, the interior designer's going to handle it. Well, they didn't handle it. They didn't allow enough money. And then it became, oh, I guess we do need you. And now it's too late because they already framed the house and this and that. So bottom line is I was able to take over. And they said, it's going to cost you a little bit, but I can do it. You in? You're in. So we went for it. And at the end, I got this most amazing phone call that brought me to tears. It was what I've always hoped for, that they are spectacular. They just said it was overly, I can't even say it. It just <laughs> blows my mind. <laughs> they said, we really, really, really love it. And we can't even imagine we couldn't have done it without you. And if you don't get to go to the end of the project and actually do the fine tuning, there's absolutely no better feelings to have it be exactly the way you had it in your mind's eye. That to me is fulfilling because we create something from nothing. And the bonuses, we have creative. And that's the journey that I love to, there's no better path is to not have a concrete answer, but more questions and more questions. So in the people that you collaborate with, that's really the sweet spot. Because if you have a team that knows how to you can pull the best out of each one of them, mm-hmm. and it's it's like an orchestra, and that's that's the most fun. When if everyone turns on their lights, that there there's music on at the same time, it's like, yikes! And so, it's just managing expectations, and truly going for the long haul to see that mind's eye come to life. And when you got that call, and they told you, hey, thank you, thank you so much. We couldn't have done this without you. I, I'm sure that wasn't the only time that that's ever happened. Another time I saved a marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on a second. (laughs) Lana has the floor. Lana, I didn't know you were a marriage counselor. I didn't know that lighting could do that. I mean, what's it It like? Because of the art. They were art collectors, and they had glass, and they had a debate over which way they were going to light it, from the front, from the side, from the back, from the under. (laughs) Yeah. And they were not having a win-win. So I said, well, let's do a test. And we did all the different examples. And it was a combination of the two together. And I kept the marriage together. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> so, you, so you had this idea of like, hey, we can compromise slash there's a lighting control system. Mm-hmm. Like maybe when you're home, you can light it from the front. Maybe when you're home, you can light it from the back. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there's so much creativity. Do you ever find that you have to infiltrate somebody's personal life in order to- m- I've stand on their beds. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask some personal questions. <laughs> aim, aim lights when they're uh, laying in the bathtub holding a book for you. <laughs> yeah. We've had that laying in bed. How do you read your book? I mean, it's personal questions. It's super personal questions. That was one of the first things we talked about in part one of this podcast. Greg, answer the question, you know, literally, why do you have to have somebody lay in a bathtub? And Anne can tell us a little bit more why you literally need to know why they lay in bed. As a residential lighting designer, we're in our clients' bathrooms and their closets and their bedrooms, and we're aiming lights. And the reading lights, what I found is is people hold books very differently. And if we're lighting from the ceiling, I've had people lean off the side of a bed. But we had a husband a few years ago who went and grabbed his wife, and he's like, go lay in the bedtub, go lay in the bathtub and grab your book. And so she did, and we set up a ladder right there, and, and just she was kind of pretending like, like she, she was, was in the bathtub. There wasn't any she, water. In <laughs> she, she was fully clothed, and there was no water, but she was holding the book, 
you know, in the bathtub, imagining she had bubbles and everything else. And we uh, we aimed the light and we just we got it to the point there with reading lights, you might get shadows, it might be glary. So you really have to dial it in to where it's comfortable and comforts something different for everybody. Mm -hmm. So reading lights in a bedroom are a very personal thing. So I like to ask them to be our reading light model and go hold a book the way they would normally read in bed and stack you know, three pillows behind them or lean off the side of the bed, whatever they're gonna do. And then we dial that light in specifically for them, typically in the master bedroom, you know, and then we'll do it a little more generic in guest bedrooms. But. I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about how you've got a plan for all those things, but at the end of the day, like the finishes change, the walls move and everything else. So you come to that final result when it's all done, once they've laid in the bathtub and in the bed for you, Greg, what's it like? What's that finished result like? And, and how does that come to life when it's all said and done for you? I think when we get invited, we have a number of clients who will have a uh, a party at the end of the project for everybody, you know, the contractors, the design team, everybody that just spent the last few years putting a lot of time and effort into their project. And to see clients who are happy and they just love the way the lighting turned out is for me just very, as long to put fulfilling that you just, it makes you want to do the next project. And I really enjoy when we do try something that maybe we've never done before and it ends up being the centerpiece of the house. And you might have the wife who said she was totally not on board with something because it changes colors or whatever. And the husband wanted to do it because he's the high tech guy in the couple. <laughs> and then she's the one that turns it on. You know, I mean, that to me is a pretty cool thing that we came up with something and somebody didn't think they were gonna like it, but the other half of the couple decided let's do it and we go for it and they both like it. And whether it's lighting a glass collection lighting a Monet, whatever we're doing, we get into some just, you know, there's just things that you run into in the world that we work in. And we don't live in that world for the most part, but we work, <laughs> you know, we work in that world. Yeah, just, just so we're clear, you're yeah. not making $20 million a year. <laughs> I wish you guys were, but, uh, and talk to me, you know, Greg answered the bathtub bedroom question, but I, I know there's a lot more places in a house it maybe just comes to lighting art and where you're going to stand when you look at it or, or something like that. What's that like to see that, that fulfilling final moment come together for you? I have found over the years when art is lit well that all of a sudden the light evaporates. Sometimes before it's aimed, you see this white circle of light around a piece of artwork. And it might just not have been aimed. It might not be the right beam spread because you're guessing, you know, and everyone, everyone wants to rotate their art. Oh, we will rotate our art. So it's like you have to make sure that it's going to take a small painting or a larger painting, especially when you have contemporary homes. Contemporary homes seem to want larger, more contemporary pieces of art. So you have to be, you know, lighting it that way. But I find that when you light... A piece of art and sometimes it's two different beam spreads on the same painting but it pulls out things and and it's so rewarding I had a client recently she had living room 20 feet by 40 or 50 feet and it was all lined with museum quality pieces and we she just sat in the middle of her literally on the floor Indian style 
And as we were aiming things, she was like, I have never seen that in the art before. Like, I never picked up on it. That's a detail I have never seen. Or the color temperature, just because it was, it, it was a, you know, there were color palettes in there, cooler color palettes. And that was amazing. You know, for her to have lived with this artwork for 20 years and now seeing things that she has never seen before, like, the mm-hmm. end you know like yeah. <laughs> you're like that's what jazz is i mean like that's what's so cool about what we do it's the power of light the human emotion we get to shape and transform spaces that can look very generic if it was you know a certain you know scene in a house or make it look really sexy i did a podcast last year and it was called lighting is sexy and lighting lighting is i mean it's amazing when that woman was checking out all her art did she know it was the lighting that did it did you guys have to have a conversation about that had you educated her so she learned about it i mean well we were aiming she wanted to be there for the aiming and so we were trying different beam spreads and you know just popping different parts of these pieces you know she would be like that's what i want because within a piece of artwork sometimes there's a number of things going on so she's like, that's the meaning. Like, that's it. So she was so into it. It was so much fun. And do you feel like your clients have to be there at the end, you know, to all of you, to understand the impact that lighting's made? Or is it truly just you do your job and they never think twice about the lighting and they just think about how their space feels? I think one of the coolest experiences is when they move in and we haven't aimed the lights oh and they live with that for a while then we come aim the lights and we find the lights in the kitchen that were left from you know the electrician aimed out the window and we aim them at the countertop and all of a sudden oh my gosh i can see the countertop now and the reading light that was aimed at the wrong side of the bed now is aimed at the right side of the bed and it's fine-tuned and doing all that fine-tuning and then the art pops and when lights are just down lighting a floor the walls are dark the ceiling goes dark it's just not a great environment and it feels dark no matter how many foot candles you can measure on the floor a space feels dark if you don't have light hitting the walls Mm -hmm. so you can come into a space and then aim a light at a piece of art highlight a piece of furniture and create this contrast that makes the space feel interesting and brightens it up and when they live with it and it's totally out of tune and you've got you know all these scallops that don't line up with each other on a wall and you've got all this stuff and it's just all discombobulated and they live with it for six months and then you come out and aim it and they come back and they're like oh my god you know and just to see the look on their on their faces when Mm -hmm. all of a sudden now they see that piece of art that they didn't see before it's a fun experience and at that point you're teaching them about the power of light Mm -hmm. and they know that yeah do you guys think that the work you do in the residential world and you're making these impacts in these homes i know sometimes it's a second third or fourth home for these individuals do you think that changes their perspective on light as they go forward in life whether it's being out to dinner or you know lighting for their business or anything like that it makes an impact in their home but it's for their family and their future family it's an heirloom they pass this house this it's not just a house it's a home and if they enjoy it it's going to emanate throughout their family. And I guess the most important part is when they do tell their friends, it's a compliment. That's how I get work. It's word of mouth. I don't 
put ads in fancy magazines. I can't. Oh. I don't. I know I'm not for everyone, but I will be hired for one painting or one light. I'm fine. I know it's a test sometimes. They want to trust you with their art or their home. And I always will take a small project versus I don't have to do the whole house because I can make an impact. And then usually that will change the whole house. <laughs> it just bleeds on. So that's happened very often. Do you guys have anything to add to that? Well, I was talking with somebody recently who said, I now won't go to any restaurants that don't have good lighting. And that even if the chef is really good, it's the ambiance isn't there. So it is in a way that's kind of ruined it for them. You know, they're like, yeah. shoot, now mm-hmm. I see everything with lighting and, and I'm looking up and, you know, but they, but they say, yeah, now we don't go to the restaurants that doesn't, that don't have good ambiance. What about you, Greg? Clients, just like any cross-section of society, we have very different involvement. Some clients we meet and, you know, I have clients that text me on weekends and we joke around with about stuff and other clients we never get to meet. And the ones that we do get the chance to educate about why we're concerned about a shiny surface or why we want to use a pinhole to shield them from glare and, and create these things, I think really appreciate a well-lit space when they get into it because they, you know, we've created those for them. And, but at the same time, like Ann said, we've, we've kind of spoiled them that, that now they kind of rebel against the bad lighting in, in spaces. And so don't, uh, don't go to a restaurant or, you know, re, have to redo their office that they never had a problem with it before. But now, now they understand it and they can't stand it. I have a client that has a private museum underground, and he is constantly rotating art. But he's always trying to do the the lighting himself, which I love. You know, he's like, yeah, let's, you know, so he's there. And then I get a call. Uh, Can you come and fix this? (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, yes, you know, so it is fun that they're getting into it. That's what you want. I mean, Mm -hmm. some, as Greg said, you know, we all have different clients, some we don't meet, but some of them, that's when it's exciting when they can, then they, guess what I did? You know, I changed this. So that's always fun. I think it's incredible, right? You have the opportunity to take something you're super passionate about that you've studied, that you've worked through professionally, you've built a business around this, and you make such an impact on people's lives that they're calling you because they made a connection with you, because you were able to help them see things, literally, no pun intended, you know, show them the light, show them the better way. This is an amazing conversation. It's one that I know we could continue. We could talk about for years, probably, or at least hours, but the snow is waiting and and the powder turns are there for us. For all those people that are listening, what is the best way that they can get in touch with the three of you if they have any questions? Either call us or go to our website, which is akld.net, and we'd love to talk with them. I think we're fairly easy to find on Google and our website's www.186group.com and it's the numbers 186 and uh, I think it's an interview process with us with the clients and the clients with us to make sure we're a good fit for their project and the service that we're offering or the services that they're looking for but there's one way to find out and that's to to have (laughs) a conversation and look at a set of plans and and have that discussion to see if we're a good fit our website at light-insightdesign.com is one way you can 
reach out. I do appreciate phone calls, meet in person, any images that you have from your home or your image of your new project. Those are always helpful. If you don't know, it's still worth the conversation. Meaning if you don't know if you want to have that take on this task. Yeah, absolutely. Anne runs her business. Greg runs his business. Lana runs her business. If you visit them at their websites, there's an easy way to find them. They would love to talk to you. Give them a call anytime. To the three of you, thank you so much for making this trip to Aspen. Thank you so much for this conversation. It's been a pleasure. I wish you all the best of luck in 2021. I know uh, your world is booming and exploding right now as the as the world figures out how to relocate and actually live a little bit more of a balanced life. Hang in there. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Sam. Thanks. Thank you, Sam. See you. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick, if you enjoyed these last two episodes of the Light Pod or any episode of the Light Pod, do me a favor. Go back to that app that you listen to this on and click that like, follow, or subscribe button. That's the best way to never miss another episode of the Light Pod, where we interview people from all things lighting to talk about all things lighting, who are curious, who are designers, manufacturers, entrepreneurs, and innovators. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.